Today, we've got somebody on the show who manages over $50 million in annual PPC spend who's going to be answering a lot of your questions, such as how to do day parting, how to advertise on Walmart, how to launch and get organic rank from PPC, and more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. We know that getting to page one on keyword search results is one of the most important goals that an Amazon seller might have. So track your progress on the way to page one and even get historical keyword ranking information and even see sponsored ad rank placement with Keyword Tracker by Helium 10. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash keyword tracker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Series Slaughter's Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that is our monthly Tacos Tuesday show. Tacos Tuesday, where we talk anything and everything PPC-related, whether it's on Amazon or Walmart or even off uh, Amazon and Walmart. You, you, we can take your questions on PPC on other platforms potentially as well. So um, every month we bring on a special guest. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring you, uh, I'm going to bring her on here, Jocelyn from PackView. How's it going, Jocelyn? Good. How are you? I'm doing just delightful. And what do you do at uh, here at PackView? I am on our kind of managed service consulting team. So I'm actually guiding strategy for some of our largest enterprise clients, um, which is very fun. Um, we have, we work with really cool brands, you know, across, you know, self-service managed, et cetera. Um, and we have a lot of fun, but um, really mapping out the entire strategy for the year. And we're pretty deep partners at that kind of level where we're involved in the retail side and the, um, you know, promotions and merchandising and, and all of that um, kind of aspect when we're that deep into the relationship with the client. Have any rough, like cool figures you can throw out? Like, Hey, I manage one gazillion dollars worth of spend per month <laughs> every day or some, something like uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I probably manage about 50 million in ad spend through the year, which is very, Cool. You know, when you're up to that level of budget, you get to do a lot of fun stuff, a lot of testing, a lot of learning. Um, you know, I love a good test and learn. That's kind of my thing at this mm. point, um, whether that's, you know, testing new creative, testing new audiences, um, kind of addressing some larger, you know, brand initiative questions. Um, you kind of get to do that some of that when you start getting up to the higher budgets, which is certainly fun for someone like me. Okay. What platforms are you knowledgeable on? You know, obviously Amazon, but are, are you currently, you know, running any campaigns on other platforms, be it Walmart, Instacart, mm -hmm. et cetera? Yeah. So I manage campaigns on Amazon, Walmart, Critio, Instacart, DoorDash. What, what's um, the one you said before Instacart? Walmart, Critio. What's that? Critio is like Target, CBS, oh. Shipped, a bunch of the, uh, Small retailers, okay. they don't have their own networks, um, but that's how Target does a lot of their advertising. So um, pretty much any and everything I've done um, some campaigns on, which is fun. Obviously, Amazon's the biggest and has the most most opportunity to learn and whatnot. But um, I do have experience in pretty much every retail media site. I love it. I love it. I don't. So at least <laughs> one of us knows what they're doing here. All right. So, um, you know. 
I wanted to show this quick video. We just uh, we just launched uh, something at, at PacView yesterday, I believe. In the all right, now you tell me how do you say this? Like I've known about this film festival and stuff for like years. How do you actually say? Is it cans? Canes? I think it's cans. Can lions. Cans. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna go with that. But at the I think Cannes Film Festival, real name. Most people call it canes. <laughs> All right. Well, people don't come to me for your Instacart advertising nor your French word uh, pronunciation, but everything else you can come to me for. But anyways, let me show this video really quick uh, for everybody to see like this really cool kind of like AI innovation that PacView has launched. Maybe maybe I can even ask you a, a couple of questions about it if you know. So let me just go ahead and throw up this video for everybody to see in three, two, one. Here we go. PacView Excel Copilot is the industry's first natural language generative AI for commerce built directly into Microsoft Excel. You can query all of your PacView data in one place with prompts like, show me my top campaigns by ad spend. PacView Excel Copilot can also generate pre-formatted dashboards. Copilot can reduce the time it takes to produce these reports from hours to just minutes. Now teams can spend their time on critical thinking, discussion, and strategy. All of these charts can be automatically generated into a pre-built PowerPoint alongside the relevant analysis. Learn more about PacView Excel Copilot and PacView AI today. Wow, pretty cool. So basically, if I'm under, I haven't seen this in action. So what it seems like, it's kind of like, hey, I can through a through a um, a prompt like enter say hey like hey show me this metric combined with this make an excel chart mm -hmm. for it or something like that or am i on the right track here yeah that's exactly what it really does and it's a pretty powerful tool you know i think of that's really how we think when we're looking at reporting and looking at performances you're thinking in questions like that of what's got the most efficiency, what has the highest conversion rate things like that where it's going to take some time to man either manually pull that or to, you know, sift through Excel files and whatnot to generate that. So it's a much more like, I think, natural way to approach reporting. Um, and it makes it so much easier and really kind of mirrors the way you're thinking with the way performance is, is able to be displayed and makes reporting so much easier and so much time being saved. Um, I think that's what probably a lot of us who are hands on the keyboard are really doing is reporting, <laughs> you know, reporting out to your stakeholders, reporting out to your boss, reporting out to your client, whoever it is. A lot of what we do is, you know, the storytelling of reporting and performance. And so this makes it a lot easier to do at a lot quicker of a pace. What are some of your favorite, maybe more under the radar metrics? You know, we're talking about we're talking about reporting, we're talking about analytics and things. I mean, you know, everybody I'm sure looks at ACOS, you know, most people nowadays look at tacos which is the name of this show but uh what are some other things that that you that's important to you like what, what would you say is the next thing that people need to be looking at you know uh your cvr your your roi your roas like what's your star metrics yeah i think you know return is what most people use when they're looking at performance and that's obviously important you know you need the kind of the one-to-one -one efficiency of what that ad spend is generating for you. But I also enjoy looking at new to brand percentage and subscribe and save. Um, those kind of are the two opposite ends of, you know, the, the uh, full funnel, you know, where you're kind of living in the middle where that when you're focused entirely on return, you're living in like the 
just what is the revenue that's being generated. You're not looking at the long-term impact of how many new customers am I bringing into my brand or my store and how many of those are becoming loyal customers through subscribe and save. So when you start looking kind of beyond the, the ROAS and you start looking at different sections of the funnel, that's where you're looking at more of a long-term kind of growth plan versus very short term, which is where you can kind of get um, kind of pigeonholed into when you're looking just at return. Okay. Now, speaking of uh, ROAS, uh, one of the first questions here, it's from Jack and Jack says, let me see if I can get it up here. How do you, or not ROAS, uh, new to brand. Uh, how do you get new to brand data for sponsored product campaigns? Is that available? Uh, I know it wasn't like, you know, a couple of years ago, but wasn't that something that was recently uh, released? Yeah, so you can get new to brand uh, data through um, for sponsored brand just through the native console, but through AMC Amazon Marketing Cloud, you actually get a significant, you know, much more data. That's really what Amazon Marketing Cloud is, but it also allows you to get new to brand data for sponsored product campaigns, um, along with all of your DSP metrics as well. So um, AMC is a very flashy exciting topic. Um, there's a lot to do with AMC, but it does kind of fill in the gaps for some of the, the data that's maybe missing. Um, so that's a huge kind of piece that we've been rolling out at PacU in general, um, but also with a lot of our clients in the last, I would say, year or so. Um, it's a pretty big, huge topic, and a lot of people are kind of overwhelmed because it is so much data and it's hard to figure out where to even start. But um, you can kind of start by filling in some of the gaps that you have and, you know, just the native Amazon console. And what do you do with this information, when, when, regardless of how you're getting it? You're getting it in pack view, somebody's getting mm -hmm. it, you know, themselves or something else. Uh, now mm -hmm. I know what my new to brand uh, data is. Uh, what it constitutes good numbers, what constitutes bad, and, and what's what's your mm -hmm. action plan once you, once you get that number? Yeah, so new to brand is going to vary, you know, category to category. If you're looking at toothpaste, um, that's different than if you're looking at TVs. You know, you're not going to be buying a TV every year, <laughs> um, or maybe you are. Um, but, you know, those metrics are really going to differ by your category. So looking at some category standards is important. You know, we release our CPC report. Um, I don't think we include new to brand in that percentage, but um, talking with your, you know, your Amazon rep and getting some of that data through, um, through context that you have is important to kind of set like, what is the benchmark for me? Because 10% for one brand is going to be horrible for another um, and wonderful for, um, you know, a different brand. So once you kind of have a benchmark of where you're starting and where you're trying to get to, that's really when you can start taking action. And a lot of that action is going to be around um, targeting and shifting spend. So, you know, if someone's already searching for your brand name, they're probably not going to be a new customer. They're already aware of who you are. So maybe shifting some of that spend out of brand defense and going into more general category terms where, you know, people are searching for, I don't know, natural toothpaste versus, you know, the brand name itself. Um, so that's when you start shifting where you're investing um, in order to impact certain metrics. So, you know, the reverse is true for subscribe and save. If they're already brand aware and they haven't purchased, you know, in the last 90 days, you can spend some additional budget on retargeting, for example, to try and generate more loyal customers. So once you kind of have your objective of what am I trying to achieve in the next quarter, for example, and what are my benchmarks and what are my goals for that, you can then start taking action and start shifting spend of in what direction is going to start influencing those metrics. So those are really kind of the actions you start taking once you start looking at this broader data. 
you know, talking about, you know, PBC from a, from a branded side, you know, your branded keywords and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Do you always keep those, uh, or do you suggest to keep those segregated? Uh, like, Hey, if, if any branded, you know, keywords or search terms come out, mm-hmm. let me, let me keep those in its own campaigns or, or do you keep them commingled with, with your regular, um, random search terms? No, I, we definitely always pull those out because you want to know how much you're spending on those and you want to know how much people are searching for those. You know, if that's going to increase over time, you want to be able to see that. Um, and you're going to have a lot more control over how you're defending your brand. You know, it's kind of up to you of how much you want to spend on protecting your own brand name. It's If it's very competitive and people are you know, targeting your brand name, you need to be there to defend it. Um, and if not, you can shift budget out of that, but you have a lot more control over how and where you're spending when you have things separated out. Um, so we typically have things break, broken out by branded, you know, general non-brand category terms, adjacent, maybe, you know, similar products, things like that. And then competitor, if you are going after competitors, um, that's the best way to kind of structure your campaign. So you have, again, much more control and you're very intentional in, in how you're spending your budget. We've got a Facebook user here. It says, Hey, I noticed a weird situation. I got impressions, zero clicks, but a sale. So like, is that, uh, is that a data error from, from Amazon? If you know, is it, is there a such thing as getting zero clicks, but actually getting a, a attributed sale? It would be something from the past. So, you know, if you are advertising June 1st through the 20th and then you pause for the 21st through the 30th, for example, you may get some sales attributed after, you know, after the time that you pause where you may have zero spend and, you know, zero clicks that day, but because they clicked on the the ad, you know, four days ago, the sale may be attributed then. So it's probably an attribution thing. Um, less, you know, they're not converting on an impression that sale would not be attributed to that impression. Um, but it's possible that it was attributed at a later date. So, if you run out of budget, you know, with five days left in the month, you're probably still going to be seeing some sales trickle in because of the attribution window. So I would say that's probably what the situation is. Okay. I've got opinions on this next question, but you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you too, because it was actually mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it says, what is the best way to use PPC to improve organic rank? I was at the uh, billion dollar seller summit in Puerto Rico last week and there was, a. uh, uh customer of PacViews there, uh, Matt Altman, he runs a, an agency. Um, I forgot what the name of the agency was, but he, he was extolling the virtues of of, of PacView, talking about how it's really cool, how they you, you can kind of set rules based on your organic rank. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now that, you know, the last couple of years, things like search, find, buy and two-step URLs are, are not, uh, you know, uh, strategies that we're allowed to use anymore. Pretty much, you know, PPC is, is one of the f- only, you know, on Amazon ways to improve your organic rank. So, how, so how are you uh, for your clients utilizing PPC in order to, in order to try and increase your organic position? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the beauty of Amazon is that you do have the ability to influence the flywheel through advertising. Obviously, things like promos and inventory and retail readiness obviously play a factor in as well. But PPC is the the factor that really you have the most control over. Um, so when we're looking at improving organic rank, it's important to look at why are we trying to improve organic rank? Is it a new product? Are we trying to be more competitive? Or are we trying to go after a higher volume, um, et cetera, things like that. But if we are purely looking at, I want to rank higher on natural toothpaste, for example, we'll, we'll run with the toothpaste example. Um, it's going to be very intentionally spending again. That's kind of what my whole job comes down to. But um, 
and like understanding how much you're spending and what it's going to cost to, you know, compete on that. But if you want, if you're in the natural toothpaste space, you need to be competing on those terms, you know, um, you know, Tom's of Maine, 12 pack natural toothpaste blah, 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 is only going to get you so far. That's not really going to improve your rank. You're probably already solid there. But if you're looking to improve your overall rank for a product, you need to be going after the keywords that are going to lead to that improvement. Um, so it's very much about understanding where you need to be spending and what terms you need to be spending and what's actually going to lead toward, um, you know, improvement and rank. Um, I think that's the, the first step. And then it's going and executing on that. So um, PPC is really the the tool that you can use to influence specific pieces of um, search term and, and customer behavior and whatnot. So that's really how you start going after improving your organic rank. All right, we got another um, anonymous question here. Uh, it says, uh, the question says, I'm trying to get targeting uh, top of search, I put the maximum Amazon suggested bid as well as 100% on top of search, but still we are getting clicks on product pages. What should I do? Yeah, so the bid adjustment is just going to be adjusting for that target. You can do negative targeting. Um, you, so you could do like negative 100% on product pages, for example. Um, it's not like it adds up to 100. You could have 100 you know, 60% on top of search, it's going to increase that top of search bid 60%. Then you could also have, you know, 60% on product pages, and it's going to increase the bid for product pages 60%. So it's not totaling up to 100. So if you absolutely want to cut off product pages, you can decrease, you can have negative um, bid adjustments. But um, just because top of search is at 100 doesn't mean it's going to completely eliminate product pages. Osama has a question here. He says, hey, we missed the honeymoon period. Our product doesn't rank, so barely no sales. Uh, we've got a lot of com competitors. So what do you advise us to do? We started PPC campaigns two years ago before learning Atomic or anything about PPC. So, all right, so uh, Osama's got this uh, mature product. I believe he actually sells in um, Amazon Europe somewhere, mm -hmm. if he's who I think uh, he is here. And and obviously, honeymoon period is, you know, this is a mature product. It's two years old. Uh, mm -hmm. He's not getting sales because he's not organically ranking. Like, you know, it, I'm assuming he's got some, you know, some reviews. So would you just suggest, like, trying to just go hot and heavy on some long tail keywords and, and build up some of those core keywords? Or, should, you know, should he go extreme and maybe start over, uh, you know, again, if he doesn't have too many reviews? Or what would you say in a situation like this? Yeah, so there's a couple approaches you can take. Um, I think the long tail keyword is a good way to look at it. You know, if you're spending money on, again, natural toothpaste, um, that's going to be probably a waste of money, to be honest with you. It's going to be so expensive for you to even try and compete in that, that it's going to be a waste of dollars. So starting to look at what are some of the longer tail keywords that I can win, you know, if it's, you know, the most you know, specific keyword ever, but if it applies to your product, going after that and starting to just chip away at some of that organic rank is going to be a good way to start. And then, you know, if you have a similar product within your brand or you have competitors, you can start targeting their product detail pages. So if someone's not specifically searching for you, but they see you on, um, you know, another product detail page, that's a good way to kind of start again, chipping your way in um, and kind of moving from the outside into the the kind of larger volume, because again, it's going to be a waste of money if you're trying to go after those high volumes and you don't have the foundation yep. of strong rank. So starting to chip away, I think is the best method and mantra of um, having it. This is goes 
to new products as well of if you're starting from zero, it's going to take some time. So long tail and product detail pages is what I would recommend. Um, I mean, along the same lines as his question, um, but you know, if he is who I think it is, like I said, he 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 sells in Amazon Europe. If I'm if I'm mm. not mistaken, I've never sold in Amazon Europe. I've only uh, I only sell in Amazon, you know, North America. Mm-hmm. For you, I'm sure you manage uh, across multiple you know marketplaces. Does your strategy differ, uh, like say Amazon Germany, Amazon France, compared to Amazon USA, or pretty much you're using the same the same principles and the same strategies? I would say as far as like foundation, like campaign structure and segmentation, it's going to be the same, but it's going to be different. Like there's nuances, obviously, in how people search in different regions and whatnot. So the targeting is probably going to be a little different as far as, you know, what keywords customers are using when they're searching for your product. Um, You know, some words in, you know, America that are English are different than, you know, the UK, for example. Um, So it's, I think, more targeting, but the core foundations of how do I set up a good account how do i set up a good campaign structure those are going to be the same those are going to transfer over well yeah okay uh rolando says how do you use day parting as part of overall campaign spending you know i think you know PacView has had mm-hmm. this for probably over a year now you know we've had it in atomic i've dabbled a little bit uh, we call it schedules um in atomic but but how, i'm curious you have way more experience than me on, on day parting so so how are you utilizing this Yeah, I think there's a lot of way to utilize it. From a day-to-day perspective, you absolutely should be using it. PackView released um, maybe a few months ago, maybe six months ago, a feature where you can do day parting based on specific metrics. So you're um, maybe for conversion-focused campaigns, you are basing your day parting automation on conversion rate, or you're doing it based on impressions or CPC. So you can choose what metric you want to even base your day parting uh, schedule on, but it is really crucial. You know, every product, you know, some products are the general, you know, eight to eight, um, but some, you know, have early morning shopping hours, evening hours, things like that. So it is good um, to be using that no matter who you are, um, because it does save a lot of money where there's no reason to be spending at you know, 3am, for example, or it may be a really competitive time at 2pm in the afternoon, being able to make adjustments like that is going to save time for, you know, preventing you from doing it manually, but it's also going to save money pretty significantly. Um, And then day parting as far as like special events, you know, we can set up schedules for cyber five, where we're going aggressive, you know, the 6 p.m. after Thanksgiving to midnight or whatever, um, you know, and you can do that around Prime Day that's coming up, you know, next month. So there's a lot of ways you can do it from an always on perspective, but then also scheduling around how do you want to spend during tentpole events. Um, so we definitely have that laid out for clients around Prime Day, like I said, Cyber 5, any of the peak periods. It's really um, going to save you a lot of time and money to outline that. So I always recommend a day parting schedule. Here's a scenario I'm, I'm sure you've you've run into. So so somebody, uh, the PPC sales ha- have increased. You know, which is not uh, you know can be good, could be could could be bad. Obviously bad if if it's not profitable. But regardless of what's going on, the PPC sales have increased, but organic sales are staying the same. So so the the PPC piece of the pie as far as sales go has increased. Organic is still the same. Um, what other methods would you be using to to help increase organic sales? Um, this person asked. 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that lead to PP sale. PPC sales increasing is, you know, you could have been much more efficient in how you were spending or you could be increasing your budget. You know, there's a lot of factors that lead to increased um, PPC sales, but um, there, it's not always a one-to-one of I increase my ad sales 10% this month and my organic sales also increase 10%. And sometimes it's, you know, a kind of trailing, um, you know, this line goes up and this line goes up, you know, two months later, for example. Um, so I think, again, going back towards what terms are going to be actually leading to an increase in organic sales, um, you know, if that increase in ad sales was coming from just branded terms. You know, those may have been people that would have already shopped and already converted if it was an organic placement as well. So understanding what is going to lead towards incremental growth versus existing sales um, is something I would take a look at. Um, so you're not just kind of eating away at sales that would have already happened if you didn't have an ad showing up for them. Um, sometimes it's a matter of where you're spending and where those sales are even coming from versus um, would they have already occurred organically. Okay. I'm actually going to send a, I, I see Rolando has another message. Uh, Rolando, I'm actually going to send you a link. Maybe you can just hop on, hop on our, um, our broadcast here and ask a question like, well, what about, um, speaking of off Amazon, you know, Walmart is probably the, the second most, you know, known, you know, place to advertise and sell for as far as online marketplaces. How, how, how is your, your PPC strategy lately for Walmart? It seems like in the last six months or so, they've really, um, you know, really, really come a long ways. They're still far away from the the capabilities of Amazon on the advertising side, but but you couldn't even have uh, what is it called like second price auctions or what? Uh, you know, like like yeah. just you know a few months ago. So what what are some how how does uh, what are some big ways that your strategy differs uh, as far as Walmart advertising compared to Amazon advertising? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Walmart switched to a second price auction Q2 last year. So this is, we're coming up, we're lapping it essentially um, for the first year. And then they also changed the relevancy model. So that was kind of the big um, kind of hindrance of Walmart was it was just not that advanced. And so it was very inefficient to advertise on Walmart. You know, first movers that got in early, I think did well, but overall it was more of an uphill battle than certainly Amazon. Obviously Amazon had quite a few years head start, but um, with those changes, so many of our clients saw drastic improvements in Walmart. You know, we're talking about triple digit growth basically because your money that you were spending was so much more effective um, once they made those changes. So a lot of it is kind of related to campaign structure as far as, you know, the product variations are a little bit different than Amazon. Um, So understanding um, how to segment your campaigns based on products and and variations and whatnot, which they have now since recently allowed you to advertise much of the the variations and really the different products themselves. Um, So the campaign structure was very different um, based on the amount of products that you can even advertise and how you could advertise it. But it's definitely gotten a lot closer to what Amazon is as far as like an algorithm model and an auction model. Um, They are rolling out some on-site display towards a kind of larger segment, you know, it's been in beta for a while, but it's becoming much more accessible. So let's say it was very sponsored product focused, but display is definitely becoming a bigger piece of Walmart now. Um, so they're doing, I think everything they can to catch up, I would say. Um, and then sponsor brand video, which obviously Amazon has had for quite a while. Walmart has rolled that out since as well. So there's a lot more ad types now, but it was very much restrictive based on product and sponsor product was really the only ad type. So um, 
I would say our campaign structure has expanded much more in Walmart in the recent months based on what Walmart is making available. So that's, I think, the biggest difference in the last three to six months is really accessibility to additional ad types and more ways of advertising your products than before. Cool. All right. um, Let's go ahead and bring our first live guest on here. Let's bring Rolando to the stage. Rolando, how's it going, man? Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing just delightful. Thanks. This is a historic moment. First ever outside guest uh, live on Tacos Tuesday. So here we go. Yeah. Where's my food, man? Where's my tacos? I, is there <laughs> it's, a it's taco right here. truck I got, I got for... some right here for you. I got some right here um, on my shirt. Uh, there's the tacos. But before you forget your question, what was your question? In looking at PPC spend, obviously, uh, Bradley's talking about how PPC spend is going up, right? There's, mm-hmm. It's unavoidable. But we can look at where uh, we can get better value. So if we're mm-hmm. spending a dollar a click uh, to convert on, a, like you're talking about, natural toothpaste, could we find a cheaper way to do it, whether it's externally, like on Google Ads, where maybe that term is 50 cents per click, and shooting that over to uh, the listing, or somewhere else within the Amazon ecosystem that makes uh, that brings more value, essentially like a retail arbitrage on keywords. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. How do you approach that when you're looking at spend as it just keeps ballooning every year yeah. on Amazon? Yeah, you know... Obviously, outside Amazon signals influence, um, you know, Amazon performance as well. So that's always an example and that's always an option. I would say looking at um, ad types um, because we have some clients where sponsored brand is so much more efficient than sponsored products. Maybe sponsored products is very, you know, in the highly competitive space and it's cheaper to win, you know, a video placement than it is to win the top Um, sponsor product placement. So kind of understanding where you're spending as far as like an ad type, because natural toothpaste for sponsor product may be different for than sponsor brand video, for example. Um, And thinking about, you know, sponsor brand as a whole, there's a lot more options of, you know, outside just the product collection, you know, there's the brand store. So how can you get people from the brand store into your product detail pages? Because Mm -hmm. people that shop on the brand store typically have higher um, order values, for example. Mm, um, correct, so correct. looking at where you're spending, not just from a holistic bucket of money perspective, but mm-hmm. from a, an ad type perspective. Um, we have a lot of clients actually with DSP, it's pretty effective and it's actually more efficient than sponsored products based on you know more refined targeting and on audience understanding. Um, I just heard that, that, uh, that the business side on Amazon is uh, getting ready to open up um, targeting on the sponsored display. Have you heard about that? Yeah. So there's a lot around business owners that you can target. Um, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, Amazon business lookalike and whatnot. So there is so much more, I think, refinement in who you're actually targeting. You know, mm-hmm. if you're searching natural toothpaste as, you know, a father of five, for example, versus me, a single woman in Denver, you know, those are very different audiences and maybe we have right. different conversions, for example. Um, so, I think that the real value of DSP is the audience understanding and Mm -hmm. kind of refinement. That's the huge, huge piece of um, DSP. And when you're looking at brands that have a very clear vision of who they think their customer is, it's a better way to kind of approach that versus sponsored products, for example. Can I ask you one more question while I have you here, Bradley? Um, The B2B side. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. consumer brands on the on the Amazon platform. But, as you know, the, the B2B side uh, on Amazon mm-hmm. itself is, is growing every year. They're, they're making concerted effort with 
dedicated reps. They're going after large enterprise accounts, government accounts. What's the feedback that you're hearing mm -hmm. from your customers that have a contingent of B2B customers buying from them on Amazon? Yeah, we actually have a few customers um, or clients that are thinking of like, how do we expand in to B2B? Uh, I think they've met it pretty closed off. And I think they are making an effort to open up more in the kind of the coming year, because it's only, I think, about 10% of total Amazon revenue. If I remember that stat recently that we um, kind of heard from an Amazon contact. Um, so they are, there are a lot of customers or clients who are thought about B2B and they haven't really had the ability to go after it in the past and are now taking a look again of like, okay, Amazon's kind of opening up some targeting and some placements and whatnot. How do we approach this? Um, and it is very different. Um, I would say of, what products you're even including as far as, you know, you're talking about pallets of batteries versus, you know, a 24 Indeed. pack, for example. So, um, so a lot of clients that are kind of have a presence, but haven't specifically gone after B2B are reevaluating it certainly. And I think the B2B team at Amazon is reevaluating how do they kind of grow this mm -hmm. side of the business. So, um, I think there's a lot more targeting that's available now. And I think it's kind of like a mutual reconsideration that everyone's doing right now of, how do we make this work and how do we grow this side of the business? Um, again, it's only 10%, so it's not going to be a huge um, kind of factor for a lot of clients. But if you were in kind of more of the yeah, industrial... Yeah, we're in office products. Um, we, office. We, we're, I would say we're yeah, way over-indexed on, on the percentage you said. We're way above, way way north of that uh, yeah. when, and the office mm -hmm. space. So we're seeing more uh, of our yeah. uh, sales um, come from B2B mm -hmm. than that 10% mark. So it, it's there. Uh, and, 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 I, and I would imagine it's only going to get bigger as the overall pie starts getting bigger yeah. at Amazon. I would agree. Yeah. Thank awesome. you for bringing me well, on, Bradley. We're going to get Rolando on the, um, the English podcast. He's actually been on our Serious Sellers podcast in Espanol before. A uh, good episode there. So I got to bring him on the English one. Now, my last question is, is, is uh, you know, speaking of what, what this person was saying about smaller accounts, you know, PackView is not for for smaller brands, but um, I'm going to ask you what, you know, how can people find more, uh, you know, reach out to, to PackView for, for more information or reach out to you. But before I do that, who are the people who should be, you know, reaching out? Like if I'm doing only like about $600,000 uh, a year on Amazon and don't have much PPC spend, like like I'm doing right now, maybe I'm not the right fit for PackView, but but who would get the most benefit out of contacting you and, and maybe seeing if you, you guys can uh, help them? Yeah, I mean, I think that PackView is, it is more designed for bigger um, clients that um, are going to, you know, benefit from the tool. But I would say there's a lot of different ways to work with PackView. You know, the clients that I manage are, you know, the big boys in the space. And those are, um, you know, require a lot of additional support. But we have, you know, kind of consulting abilities. And we have, you know, people that just use our platform just purely for the technology and the the benefit that you're getting is really the efficiency in operations and the time saved and the ability to kind of step beyond like the day-to-day -day bid management and be able to focus more on strategic initiatives, for example. That's really kind of what, and that's mm -hmm. what Helium 10 does as well. You know, like any of our, you know, suite of tools is really helping you be more efficient at what you do day-to-day -day so that you can think, you know, bigger picture and look at more, you know, higher level operational um, initiatives versus, you know, changing a bit from 45 cents to 50, you know, for 
1 p.m. to 2 p.m., for example, you know, like that is really the benefit. So I would say there's not a ton of, you know, minimum spend. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can work with um, clients who just want help um, saving time. Um, So I would say don't limit yourself, but PackView definitely is, to your point, more for somewhat larger sellers. Um, But there is not, you know, a specific dollar amount that I would say you have to be spending in order to benefit from. And then if somebody, you know, did think that they uh, might qualify and and, uh, how can they reach out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's um, sales at packview.com would be a good place to start um, shooting us an email. um, And, you know, you'll filter through um, a lot of, you know, the people that I'm not on the sales side, so um, probably wouldn't end up talking to me, but feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or whatnot, um, and we can get you guys connected to the right place. But packview.com is a great resource for understanding what our tool can actually do for you um, and start getting you into the funnel of some emails and and some contacts with people who are more on the sales side than I am. But um, packview.com is really where you're going to see a lot of what we can do and and what we can do to help you. So um, I would say our LinkedIn and our website are awesome. Awesome. Well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for uh, for coming on today. It was nice to have your your expertise on here, and uh, look for it's going to be exciting to be uh, seeing what the co-pilot uh, at PackView is going to be doing for sellers uh, moving forward. And uh, would love to reach out to you maybe next year to come back on the show and, and help sellers like you just did right now. Awesome. Thanks for having me today.